Genesis chapter 37. If you're new to church, Genesis is the first book in the Bible. We'll have it on the screen as well. Genesis chapter 37, verse 5. I love the Word of God. How many love the Word of God? Usually I read a lot of verses, but today I'm not going to read that much. It says, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. That's it. That's all we're doing. That's all we're doing. We're just working with that one today. Joseph had a dream. When you think about Christianity and you just think about even your life purpose or something you've dreamed for, usually dreams are not synonymous with hatred. When we think of dreams, we think of advancement or success or answered prayer or we think of thriving or, or success or prosperity. And, and all Joseph had was a, was a dream. And it says he told it to his brothers, which that, that could have been the problem. Because his dream did include them bowing down to him. So it's like he should have told his sisters. He told the wrong people. He told his brothers. And, uh, and it says they hated him all the more. You know what's interesting in the text, if you read it about the life of Joseph, when it says all the more, it's because they already hated him. You wouldn't hate him all the more if there was not already an element of hate there. And the reason that they hated him is because Joseph was loved by his father Jacob more than the others. Can I tell you this? From the outside looking in, it is easy to think that someone else is more blessed or more loved than you. And you have to be cautious that you don't fall into the pit of comparison thinking that they're more loved or they're more blessed than you are. And this is what Joseph's brothers did, and they hated him. Now when he has a dream that was actually going to benefit them, they hated him all the more. I, I love the story of Joseph. I love the book of Genesis. But I, honestly, I haven't really preached the story of Genesis or of Joseph that much because I have, I have a scar from my, my teenage years, probably about 10 years ago. And um, I, I, was, I was in a competition uh, for, I was a part of the Assemblies of God in the Northwest. And if you've heard of that denomination back in the day. And, and so they have a, a competition every year called Fine Arts Festival. And everyone has their, like, creative thing. And so they started short sermons. And uh, so I'm like, man, I'm going to do this, 17 years old. I'm going to do the short sermon. I prepared. And it's interesting. It's like a preaching competition. So you're, like, doing everything to honor the Lord while beating your peers. Um, Sounds very kingdom-ish. And uh, so I, was, I, I went out there. I worked hard, and I won all districts. And I, got, I advanced all the way through to nationals, which is the highest one, in Orlando, Florida. So I flew 17 years old to Orlando, Florida to try to beat the socks off everybody else who was preaching there. And, 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 and we got to the, God, I made it to the final, final. You preach in front of everybody, in front of the whole congregation. All the students came from all over the states. And uh, you preach in front of everybody. And so he preached his. And I preached mine, and he won. And he preached on Joseph. Since then, I'm just like, you know what? I don't, I don't need to preach it. You must have done it better. Like, you won, so you can have the story of Joseph. But I'm just going to take this verse because I believe God wants to reveal something to us about the process of purpose that will unlock a new tenacity on the inside of you to go after everything that God has for you. 
Because God has a dream for you. God, God has good things in store for you. God, God has a purpose. There is a God-given purpose. There is something in this life that you will not be happy unless you're doing that thing. It is important that you find your reason for sucking oxygen on this earth. There is a re- it is not just to get by to have a good 401k, 3.2 kids, white picket fence. It, it, it is not, it, it, the goal is not that. The goal is obedience to the purpose of God that is in our life. Joseph's journey is an interesting journey because we, we think, man, Joseph, God was with him. He had the favor of God. He ruled Egypt. Look at these dreams. But Joseph's journey was a journey of disappointment. Like literally disappointment after disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. And I think that sometimes we have been enamored with the thought of Christianity that gives us what we want. And some of us are even mad at God because we have given God everything and it seems like all life's given us is disappointment. But that's what happened when Joseph all he had was a dream that he didn't ask for, that God gave him. And now all of a sudden everybody hates him. And from here on forward, all his life does is get worse. Life, life is a, life's a journey. Your own life is a journey. Did, did you know dreams or prophecies are not guarantees, but are invitations into the process to bring it to pass? You, you, could, you could go around to every prophetic conference in all DFW, and you can get word after word after word after word, and none of those words are going to come to pass unless you decide that you're going to participate with what God said. Unless God has your involvement, you are a part of the prophecy's fulfillment. So some of you are mad at God because God never did what he said, and God's not mad at you. God's waiting on you. almost said God's mad at you. He's not. He's not. He loves you. He loves you. God's waiting on you to be obedient, to allow even the downturns or the disappointments of life to develop something in you so that you are the person that you need to be to accomplish the thing that he wants to accomplish in your life. Every single thing that you go through is important. We say this all the time, God doesn't cause everything, but he does use everything. So God will use your mistakes. God will use my failures. Even though God didn't cause me to fail, he will use my failures to prove how much I need him. He, he, he will prove his goodness and his faithfulness and his mercy and his grace in my frailty. And some of us think, man, I'm going to give God my all and I'm never going to be disappointed. And now we're disappointed at God because life disappointed us. But the truth is disappointment is inevitable. If you're going to accomplish something big for God, there will be all kinds of opposition that comes against you. If you're going to fulfill your life purpose, there's going to be all kinds of opposition that comes against you. The only way to avoid disappointment is to settle for a status quo life. And even then, you'll get to the end of your status quo and be disappointed that it was status quo. There is no way to avoid disappointment there is only, only ways to be obedient to the, pur- the purpose God has given us. Accomplishing a God dream is less about gifting and more about persistence. 
I talk to people all the time that say, well, I don't know if I'm gifted enough or I don't know if I'm qualified enough. I, I don't know if, if I have what it takes or I have the right people or if I have the right resources. Did you know that you could outlast just about anybody that you don't feel like you measure up against? Because if you just had persistence, last time I checked, God is faithful. So if he has your obedience and your persistence, it's not if, it's when. God is going to come through on your behalf. But we got too many people that are given up in the process of life because it didn't happen the way that we thought it was going to happen. This is Joseph's journey. He has a dream and he, his brothers begin to hate him. Then they begin to mock his dream. So not only did they hate him, now they're mocking the thing that God showed him. Then they begin to bully him. And they throw him into a cistern, into a well. Not only that, they lie to their dad about what happened to him, and then they sell him into slavery. This is the dreamer. This is actually the process of dreams. The process of dreams is a journey of enduring disappointment. I wish I could tell you that the process of dreams was just all happy and fun and great and we worship and we sing glorify and then everything, we go out and got more money in our bank account and our kids behave better and we love our wife and husbands more. It's, it's not that. It, you, have to still, you have to still allow the process to disciple you and to discipline you and you have to understand that disappointment is what happens in the world because the world belongs in the hand of the evil one. If this was heaven, you could be mad at God. They didn't heaven. If you didn't know. God even said that this world is in the hands of the evil one. So our job is to be ambassadors of Christ that bring heaven to earth. So, so it's our job to bring the elements of the kingdom to, to earth. But this is not the kingdom. This is not heaven. This is earth. And so there's sickness, and there's disease, and there's sin, and there's hatred, and there's death. I'm going to tell you this. If we don't heal the wound in the heart of mankind, mankind will continue to destroy one another. No matter what weapon or, or instrument they have in their hands, the, ins, the, the, the antidote to violence and to hatred is a softening of the human heart. If we can eliminate the rage and the hatred that lives in the heart of the soul, then we can change an entire scope of a nation. If the church would be the church and would show the love of Jesus, we could begin to bring healing and deliverance to people who are afflicted both mentally and emotionally that are causing violence and harm to one another. Friends, we got to be the church. But make no mistake about it. This world is in the hands of the evil one. But make no mistake about this. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in me. So I have a responsibility in the middle of life's pitfalls and disappointments to pull on that spirit, that Holy Spirit, which is the helper, which is the comforter, which is the one who comes alongside. The Bible says in the Greek it's the parakletos, the paraclete, the one who links arms with me and walks through life with me. He, he is, he, when, when the Bible says he'll never leave you and forsake you, it's his spirit that never leaves you, that never forsakes you. It is his spirit that comforts your broken heart. It is his spirit that helps you. It is his spirit that teaches you about all things. Joseph's 
journey was a journey of disappointment. All of these hardships started with a promise from God. That's not comforting. So once you start talking about this, and specifically in this story, I don't know what it is, but it's almost like every season of Joseph's life starts with a let, with a word that starts with the letter P. Uh, it's just crazy. So I'm not just trying to do something. Just like it's all over. And then once you start, it's like a landslide. It's just it just keeps on happening because jo- Joseph got a promise that led him into a process where he got thrown into a pit where they left him to die. That pit was where he got sold into slavery and went to prison. Joseph, things are not going well. This is just not a good situation. But I want to read you a story, or a verse that is very interesting. It says when he was put into prison, it says this in Genesis chapter 39, even before he was in prison. So before he went to prison, he was in prison, he went to Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him. And in, in, in ver- chapter 39, verse 2, it says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of Egypt, his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Stop. All you are way too spiritual. Because everybody's celebrating that the the guy that got kicked out of his family and thrown into a pit has the Lord with him as he's a slave in someone else's house. You see how we do this? When we look at the scripture, we're like, but the Lord was with him. Well, the Lord's with you too. And you're about to give up. The, The favor of God's on you too. Did you ever knew favor would get you in prison? You never knew that God being with you looked like pits and disappointment. And some of us, we read the scripture super spiritually and we're like, well, brother, the Lord was with him. And I say, and brother, the Lord is with you. And why are you bailing when life has thrown you a disappointment? Joseph is in the middle of some of the greatest disappointments that we could ever imagine. And yet the people that are with him are saying, man... Something different about him. Surely the Lord is with him. And the Lord gave him success. He was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife of trying to sleep with her. He gets thrown into prison. And in prison, Genesis chapter 39, verse 20, says Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison... The Lord was with him. Now you know better. All right? I I want the Lord to be with me. I just don't want to be in prison. Is that too much to ask? I mean, I like him with me. I just, I'm not, I don't want to go to jail. He says, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Oh, yippee. Not only do you get to be in prison, you get to go to work. I'm fine with being the prison warden as long as I go home at 5. If I'm just going to be in prison, I'm going to watch TV, I'm going to get my college education, and I'm going to get ripped. I'm just just saying. This guy's having to work in prison. And we're saying, oh, oh, look at how good he is at his work. Oh, the fate, he's a slave. He's in prison. He doesn't get to go home at night. 
I, I, I say this ridiculously to help you contrast some of the areas where we think other people are favored and we're forgotten. This favor on Joseph got him in prison. This favor on Joseph got him falsely accused. This favor on Joseph, God being with him, got him in some of the messiest mess you could ever imagine. But yet everywhere he went, people saw and people recognized that God was with him. So, so what's the testimony to the world for a believer? It's not avoiding trouble. Or not having weakness. It's that in trouble and in weakness, us leaning on this God who will never leave us and never forsake us. Maybe it's this. Favor is not the ability to stay out of trouble. Favor is the ability to not allow, not allow trouble to overtake you. So maybe Joseph's favor was not staying out of disappointment. It was that disappointment couldn't overtake him. So maybe your greatest testimony to the world is not that you never had a weakness or not that you never had a mistake or never had a, a failure. Maybe the greatest testimony to the world is that it didn't take you out. That it couldn't steal your joy. That it couldn't rob you of your dream. That you kept on going and kept on loving and kept on forgiving and kept on serving and kept on showing up when you didn't feel like showing up and kept on going home when you didn't feel like going home. Friends, that's part of the battle is the determination to stay because God is faithful and he will work everything out for your good. But you're going to have to give it time in the prison seasons. And after the prison, the Lord was with him. Genesis chapter 39 verse 23 says, The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. The warden was so nice, he said you could run the whole thing. You just can't go home. So God's with him in captivity. God's with him in disappointment. God's with him even in imprisonment because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So he's thrown into a pit when he heard the promise. He enters the process. He gets sold into slavery. He gets falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. He gets thrown into prison. And now when he's in prison, Pharaoh has a problem. And he says, the only person that can fix this problem is someone different, someone that has something that we don't have naturally. He says, go get Joseph because God is with him. It was actually the cupbearer that forgot about Joseph, that when Pharaoh was in the problem, was in the situation, he says, I, know, I think I know a guy, the guy that helped you get out of prison and stayed there. He said, I think I know a guy. And he says, call Joseph. He's, he's got something different. So now Joseph comes to the palace, interprets a dream for Pharaoh, and gets promoted to second in command in all of Egypt. So now this is where we usually see him, the palace. This is where, this is where Christians really dream. It's like, yeah, look at him in the palace, just ruling everything, man, chariots and signet rings and money. And like, yeah, I don't think you would trade your process for Joseph's process. But now he's in the palace, and I started to think about this. If he would not have had a dream, 
And if he would not have been hated and mocked and bullied, if he would not have been falsely accused, lied about, if he would not have been through what he went through, he would have never been positioned for the palace. So every single downturn, every single setback, every single time where it felt like God failed him, every time it seemed like no one was there for him, was actually God working in the backgrounds. God doesn't, God doesn't cause everything, but he does use everything. He was using all of the downturns of life to position Joseph perfectly in the palace as the second in command of all of Egypt that ended up saving his family and saving generations. What would then become the Israelites, and then later they would, uh, they would be set free. Moses would lead them out on and on and on but it started because of a disappointing season that followed a dream did you know disappointment always follows dreams and it's not about navigating to escape the disappointment it's about having the determination to get through it and not letting it rob the dream that is in your heart I I, I wrote this down and then I deleted it and I wrote it down and then I deleted it again and then I put it back in and I just said this, tell your haters thank you for positioning you for your purpose. Because so many people get mad at the people that mock them, betray them, throw them in pits, falsely accuse them. But do you know if you didn't have them, God would have had nothing to work with to position you for your purpose. And I would wager that God did something in you that could have never been done without that process. That God probably rid you of some pride and some, some things that needed to be discipled out of you. I know for me, it's because of what other people did to me that made me into who I am. It's because of the downturns, the processes, the, the people that betrayed me, the people that stabbed me in the back, the people that left me, the people that falsely accused me, that actually forged character and history with God. So now I know even in the darkest of nights and the darkest of situations, God is still faithful. You cannot go from dream to palace without the process of disappointment. And if you give up in the disappointment, you forfeit your promise. And it's not God that didn't come through for you. It's us that gave up too soon. If you're going to be a dreamer, if you're going to follow the purpose of God, you need the favor of God. But let me tell you this, favor isn't easy. Favor isn't painless. And favor isn't free. Everybody talks about favor ain't fair. Favor, ain't fair. favor it ain't free. It comes with a price. It comes with a price. If, you, if you're going to become... A dreamer, one who lives in the purpose of God. If you're going to take every setback and allow it to be a setup for a comeback, then number one, you have to see the dream. Right? This is the easiest part, but this is the part that's most forgotten about once you encounter disappointment. I have to see the dream. I have to visualize and remind myself of what God has said. Some of you need to go back and read old journals from like when you were at teenage summer camp. And figure out what you're supposed to be doing right now. So, some of you need to go back and remember some of your God moments, God encounters, times where God spoke to you, healed you, came through for you. And remember how faithful he is and the history of God that you should have. When God gives you a promise, it's an invitation into a process that will develop you, strengthen you, and prove to you the goodness of God. You could say it this way. Don't forget in the dark 
what you've seen in the light. Heard this before? Don't forget in the dark what God has shown you in the light. I have to see the dream, but that's not, a, that's not enough in and of itself. I have to see the dream, but number two, I have to do the work. You think a God dream would be accomplished by God doing the work. But he says, no, I'm going to involve you in the process. I'm going to give you a dream, but you're going to have to work. Some of us need to, like, go remember our grandparents and what hard work was all about. And the more I talk to young people, I realize that they want to see a dream, and by seeing a dream, they feel like they're entitled to a dream. So I can go buy that mansion, I can go buy that car, I can buy these things. It's like, you, 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 you make $10 an hour. It's illegal what you're making. Like, you should not be doing that. I love the dream, but you have to do the work. There's a, there's a grind, there's, there's a hustle. Not striving, friends, it's partnership. It's saying, God, thank you for showing me that, showing me what's possible, but now I get in partnership with you, and I'm going to work it out. Determine to work until you see the dream developed. Dreams don't just happen. They are developed, they are built through determination, obedience, and persistence. I found this to be true. Dreamers are everywhere. Doers refuse to give up on what they have seen until they see it. I mean, I, I, can, I can find a, a thousand ideas. But it's hard to find somebody that says, I'm, I'm going to commit until we see it come to pass. You, you ever meet those people that like start a new business every three days? It's like, man, hey, invest with me, pastor. I got a new idea. I'm like, you know what? I think I would just like to see the one from like 12 years ago just kind of like get some success. The process, I'm not saying not to have new ideas or not to be an entrepreneur. I'm saying don't negate that you are going to have to work the process. If you work the process, the process will work. I don't just work to work. When God gives me a dream, now I begin to work. Now, watch this. This is the last one, third one. Is I, I used to preach a whole series called, and we talk, talk to our staff about it all the time, outlast dysfunction. Because really that's the key to parenting, outlasting dysfunction. Dysfunction is going to be there. You have to outlast it. If your three-year-old wins so many times, they are going to run your house. So you're going to have to outlast dysfunction and keep good discipline and consistency to create good boundaries so you raise a good citizen and knows how to Obey rules and be okay. You got to outlast. In relationships, a lot of times you have to outlast dysfunction. If you expect a friend to always be right and always be good and always invite you everything, you just, there's going to be stuff. You got to outlast. Relationships that last are relationships that outlast dysfunction. Marriages that last are marriages that outlast dysfunction. But I, I, I changed it for this to conclude because I, I wanted you to catch this. You have to outlast disappointment. Because we serve a faithful God who's going to bring about good things and has your best interests in mind. 
So don't give up on the comeback when you're facing the setback. Just understand that I have to outlast the disappointment so that I can get to the other side and I can see the promise that God gave me so many years ago. Friends, I could tell you story after story after story of people who have said something would never work or I would never be able to or I couldn't do it. When we, when we built this building, we had seven different banks tell us you'll never be able to build it. You have two, two not enough people, not enough money, not enough know-how and we're sitting in what someone said that we could never do that was a God dream with a lot of work that we outlasted disappointment and now we're sitting now it just seems normal it's like we come every week it's our building but there was a there was a process for you there there is a process of dreaming dreaming's awesome but when God trusts you with the dream he trusts you with the work and when he trusts you with the work he trusts you with disappointment. And when disappointment hits, and it will, you have to put your head down and you got to walk through it. You know what? what something I see all the time is I see people give up too soon. It's like, man, if you would have waited two months, that harvest is just right around the corner. God's working on your behalf. Just don't give up too soon. The story of Joseph, and we'll close with this. It, 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 it's so amazing because Joseph went through all of that. I'm just telling you, if I went through all of that, I don't know. That might be just time to retire and made it to the palace. Like, okay, I'm done. I hate y'all. And uh, thank God we made it, right? But Joseph has two sons. And he has his firstborn son in Genesis chapter 41, verse 51. It says, Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh. And said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. His name means this. God has made me to forget my trouble. How do you go through all that he went through and you forget all the pain and all the trouble? Did you know that's what God's specialty is? That's what the comeback God is able to do. That's what the grace of Jesus is able to accomplish for me and for you is that the things and the people that hurt us, God can help us forgive them and forget about the trouble. They, he says, I'm going to name my firstborn son as a testimony of God's goodness to me. He has made me forget my trouble. Then he had another son and he named him Ephraim. And it means God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. You ever look back at a season of your life and you think, God, what good could come out of that? I got a lot of them. I don't know. That one's just like a wash, you know? We survived. This is the power of the comeback, God, is he takes even the wash seasons or even the lost seasons, he says, I'm going to bring something out of them. You keep your heart right. You keep leaning into my power and my strength. You keep, you keep doing the work. And I'm going to bring something beautiful. It sounds like God, doesn't it? Like giving us beauty for ashes. It, it just sounds like God. James 1, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you endure trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You know how you get perseverance? Trouble. And I want perseverance. Ah, it's a bad prayer to pray. Because the testing of your faith 
So if this was easy, you'd never have a test of your faith. If it just happened suddenly, you just had a dream, get a dream, you would never have a test of your faith. The test of your faith is what develops perseverance that helps you not quit. I feel like on this Sunday, I just need to prophesy to you, to your purpose and to your dream. Don't quit too soon. Don't quit on even things that you feel like are dead and gone. Don't quit on seasons that robbed you and pillaged you and hurt you because God is a master at bringing something beautiful out of the most ugly and painful seasons of your life. We have hundreds of testimonies in this room. I'm a testimony of God's goodness that takes beauty from ashes. That's the comeback God that we serve.